we are, we are going through the epistle of uh, uh, Second Peter, and it is an absolute wonderful, wonderful, uh, as all scripture is. And it has a, a particular emphasis in that it is asking us to grow, and Peter is encouraging us to grow, grow, grow. Because among the Christian, in the Christian world, people will appear who are false teachers. And if you are not aware what is going on, if you are not strong, if you don't know the word of God, if you are weak, you might fall for their tricks and their traps. Are you with me? So, um, a powerful book. So, the, the last two chapters are sort of sober and sort of stern and sort of warning about these bad things that could happen. When we get to that part of the, of the epistle, I will give us two parts to the message. <laughs> because I don't want to spend that many weeks on sober, stern warning. So the first part is going to be out of Second Peter, stern, warning, sober. And the second part is going to be more on love and encouragement and these type of things, okay? <laughs> yes. Um, here we go. So today, we are talking about verses, verses 4 through 7. And, uh, and obviously, since 3 and 4, last week I was supposed to do 3 and 4, but we didn't get out of 3. So because 3 and 4 are so closely connected, I have to refer back to verse 3 to get you up to date so we can smoothly go into 4 and then on down. And 4 and 5 are also connected. And 5 and 6 and 7 are also connected. So um, here we go. Uh, so if we can look at verse 4 on the screen, uh, verse 3 on the screen, I, I apologize. Verse 3 on the screen, then I quickly uh, uh, tell us what, 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 what's up. Verse 3. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So we, we talked a little bit about his divine power. That is to say, we, we, we sort of define the word power as a, a, a force that overcomes resistance. A force that overcomes resistance. There is a resistance, and if there is a power, if the power is not big enough, it won't overcome that resistance. But if it's big enough, it will overcome the resistance. It could be in a way that is, boom, just like that, at the spur of the moment. Um, and we'll call that deliverance in Christian terms. That is to say that God can deliver you from a force that is working on you, he can deliver you, boom, just like that. Amen. Just like that. Does God do that? Yes. yes. It's up to him. He does that often. But then there's also the, other, the slower power that overcomes resistance, but not, boom, in a second, but over a period of time. We'll call that obedience. So that God has given you that divine power over there. He has given you the divine power to overcome these things, but sometimes you overcome him by simply obeying the Lord. By simply obeying the Lord. And then you, then you overcome. Sometimes God is asking you just to obey. And sometimes he just delivers you out of the situation. Okay, divine power. Has given us all things, 
all things that pertain to life and godliness. So there is no exceptions. Um, God has given us all things for us to live a life that he wants us to live. This is not just he's given us all things that pertain to life. Well, I'm breathing. Well, my heart is pumping. That is not the life we're talking about. We're talking here uh, not about the, the, the bios, the necessary things to live. We are talking here about zoe. It's a different word that has to do with the essence of life. That has to do with the life that God has for us. Call it the Christ life. Call it the God life. But that is what it looks like. Life and godliness. And what is godliness? Godliness is, has to do with the idea that when people look at your life, they see at least a little bit of God in it. Godly character. God, godly characteristics are in your life. When they see you, they're not thinking of the devil. They're thinking of God when they see you. Because you remind them of God. They see things of God in you. Yes? Uh, because I'm just reviewing here. Through the knowledge of him who called us to glory and virtue. There, Peter is often talking about the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here he's not talking about um, there's the Greek word. Some people are interested in, in Greek. I'm very interested in, in what the Greek says because it reveals some things to us. I'm not a Greek scholar. I, I can look at a commentary just like you can look at a commentary, except I probably do it more often than you do. So I'm nobody special, but I look them up. So here it doesn't speak about gnosis, just a, an average, a, a general knowledge. Here it speaks about epigonosis, which means it is an, a more of an intimate knowledge. So this, how do you have an intimate knowledge of somebody else? It's by spending time with them. And so we have to spend time with Jesus for us to have an intimate knowledge of, with Jesus Christ. Are you with me? So um, how do you spend time with them? Uh, and through prayer, reading the scriptures. And, and, and I ask you the questions because I don't see this happening very often. Do you visit with Jesus? Or does it always have to be an official prayer? Well, when you're driving, you, you know, you, you can't even close your eyes <laughs> when you're driving and praying. Do you drive and pray? I do that all the time. Even for people that I see in the street. Lord, this guy's flying by me like a maniac. He's driving 85 miles an hour. Please keep him safe and keep the other people safe that are on the road. Pray for that. Make some sense to him so he slows down or, or whatever the situation might be. Always reminded to pray. And I visit with God. And, and so you get more acquainted with him and then it becomes intimate knowledge of him. And so much depends on how you're going to walk and how you are going to survive the swaying words of the false teachers that are coming into the body. Uh, 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 some of, there, are, there are plenty already on the scene, not here, but there, you have some on television, you have some... Uh, in the United States, they have some all over the world. And they are smart and they are smooth. And they know scripture. They know it well enough to mess you up. If they didn't know it, they couldn't mess you up. You see right through them. But they know it well enough that you know, man, this brother has a, a, a knowledge of the scriptures. Wow. And then, you know, and then people will follow him and, and so on and so forth. So... The, the, the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue. And we said that last week 
that he has called us not only by his glory and virtue, but also to glory and virtue. And we mentioned that the glory and virtue have something to do not only with what Jesus was teaching, what he was teaching, but also how he was teaching it. The beautiful, glorious miracles that he was doing. His life, his compassion, all these things that were so gloriously beautiful in Jesus' life were some of the things that attracted followers. Because if you are an unbeliever, Jesus means, the name Jesus means nothing to you. Yes? I've been to a bank years ago. Opened a, 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 how you call it, an account. And I wanted to have checks. So I said, right where I, where I have to have put my signature, I want you to write, uh, Jesus is love. Now, you won't believe this, but I, I, it's true as I, I, God is my witness. He asked me, how do you spell Jesus? So, not everybody knows about Jesus. This guy didn't even know how to spell it. Let alone, let alone what he's teaching and the beauty of all that is Jesus. So, so when the, 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 the disciples and the people around Jesus, they saw him. There was such a beauty in him that his life attracted people. So we were called not only to his glory and virtue, but also by his glory and virtue. And so that glory of Jesus, he wants us to possess and us to also portray to our world. So that when we tell them about Jesus, we have no credibility per se. But when they see Jesus in us, then there is credibility. Amen. And then we have, we are not going to be able to save them. We'll never be able to save them. It is the job of the Holy Spirit to save them through Jesus Christ. But what we get to do is earn an audience. We earn the, 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 how you call it, the privilege of being able to speak to somebody and they would listen with a sense of uh, interest because you have shown credibility by your life. And so, then you have an audience. If you don't have an audience, you can know the Bible inside out, forwards, backwards, have the whole thing memorized. If you don't have an audience, but if you can show them Jesus. So, anyways. So, by, by his, his glory and, and virtue. Now we are at verse 4. Verse 4 says this. By which... His glory and virtue, by which has been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So by these, so once again we have, we have seen promises, we have been given promises by Jesus. We have many promises given to us by Jesus, there are verbal promises that we know in our head, some, and we don't even know all the promises. Here, it doesn't tell us a, a whole lot about the promises. 
What do we know about the promises here in the text? One, that they were exceedingly great. We know about three things about the promises here. That they were exceedingly great. And that there were two, that they were precious. And that thirdly, that by these promises, we might become partakers of His divine nature. My dear brothers and sisters, that is like huge to me. Lord, we become partakers of your divine nature? Wow. So, but like I said before, that Jesus gave us promises. But he himself was a promise. Just like he wants us to be a promise. Just like he wants us to be people of promise. Let me just give you an example. You don't know exactly what I'm talking about, but I'm going to give you an example. Um, <clears throat> you remember uh, Sister Colleen, who was here and taught us on hope in her last uh, uh, seminar. And she talked about the story of Joshua and Rahab, how that Rahab had helped the, the spies that were sent to go spy, how she had helped them to, to uh, uh, escape. And then, but there was a, a promise made, right? There was a promise made to Rahab that when we come to get you guys, when we come to annihilate your people over here, we will spare you because you helped us. Yes, you remember that? And that hope, and so the idea was she was going to hang a scarlet thread or a scarlet uh, line outside of the window for them to realize where it was. And that line is called a tikva, uh, hope. I'm not going into her teaching. I'm just reminding you just a little bit. Tikva, uh, hope. So here you have Joshua. So when they come back to conquer Jericho, we don't have to go into the walking one time around the city and then uh, six days and the seven days, seven times. Okay, that is all part of the story, but I'm not going there. I want you to, show, to, to concentrate on Joshua's, uh, his, the man of integrity and promise that he is. So it was not Joshua that promised Rahab that, that he was going to save her. It was the spies that went. They made the deal with Rahab. And when they went back to see Joshua, they told Joshua about it. This is what we did. And Joshua, uh, how you call it? Validated that promise. As if he made it himself. So when they go back several chapters later, and they are going to conquer Jericho, once they have conquered Jericho, he sends people to say, hey, we're going we're gonna to nail them all. We're going to kill them all. But you guys go and you save Rahab and her family and, and all that they have. This is your responsibility. You save her. See now, when you have a man like Joshua who keeps his promise. Now, how is Rahab almost always described in the Bible? As a prostitute. Rahab, the prostitute. Rahab, the harlot. When you have a man who keeps his word and his promise 
to a prostitute from the enemy camp, that man's life is a promise. You can take it to the bank when he makes you a promise. So, you say, well, I don't want to be like, well, uh, I cannot be like Jesus. Jesus was perfect. Well, just be like Joshua. Keep your promise like Joshua kept his promise. Promise. So that when you know this about Joshua and you see Joshua, it is as if a promise is walking around over here. That when he's making you a promise, you have no reason not to believe it, that he's going to keep his word. I told you, well, I'll tell you in my sermon about Don and Michelle. Don and Michelle, they, um, they were digging a well for a particular group of people in the Maasai land in Kenya. And some wells people can dig for like $5,000 or so. They're shallow wells and... Uh, so, but these, these places where they have been going required deep wells. And they went deep and still no water. But they made a promise to these people that we're going to get you water. So, he felt like, I, I, I just can't quit on them. Otherwise, I will never have the credibility again to share Jesus with them. And the whole idea is not about giving them water or giving them soccer balls or giving them uh, greenhouses or giving them shoes or giving them goats or chickens. The whole idea is to give them Jesus. That is the whole idea. So they dig and dig and they cannot get to water and they have to go 900 feet, I want to say. I don't know anything about digging wells, so I might be off, but deep. (laughs) And he had to raise a bunch more money. So whereas sometimes you can dig a well for $5,000, some of the or- these organizations go and they dig wells in different countries, $5,000, and they have a well. You cannot, this is, is they have spent opting dollars already, and they had to raise another $20,000 for the possibility of getting water. And he'll tell you all about it, I'm sure. And that is what I appreciate so much, that there are people of their word we're going to get you water. And they're digging and digging and raising money to make it happen. And I tell you, there have been other places where they had to go deep and dig water, for water. And when then Don sends me a, a video on, on my email or, or Facebook or whatever, and when he sends me that email and I go... Phew, play and you hear the truck is going and in a little while you see the water coming out of the earth there's water coming out of my eyes at the same time because oh my goodness and the people are so happy because they have to walk 15 kilometers to go get water And this is not like walking 15 kilometers, walking 15 kilometers with an empty container and walking back with a full container. You go walk 15 kilometers with a full container of water. So, anyways, so a promise. And he has given us great and precious promises that through these we might be partakers 
of his divine nature. Partakers of his divine nature. What does that mean to you? Partakers of his divine nature. Thank you. Thank you. Well, not only what he's offering, but also in his abilities, in his, in his nature, who he is. Not just what he does, but who he is. We, ha- we, we get to share in his nature. Everything. Everything. So that means that he has given us the ability, the ability to live life as he wants us to live it. We're not stuck anywhere. We're not stuck in... Oh, I have a few. I, I, I couldn't help myself. I had to look up some synonyms over here for you. We, so he's given us the ability to overcome some things. We are not stuck anywhere. We are not in a rut. We have a way to escape the trap, the pitfalls, the snare, the ploy, the lure, the bait, the hook, the ambush, the catch, the track, the path, the gutter, the ditch, the habit, the grind, the dead end, the drugs, the opioids, the alcohol, the defilement, the contamination, the pollution, the infection, the foulness. We have not, we, we don't have to be stuck in any of that. Because we are sharers in His divine nature. The nature of God. So, we have the power of God working for us. We have the nature of God working for us. I'm thinking, that spells like victory to me. Yes. You have the power of God working for you. You have His nature working for you from within you because you are cherished in His nature. I'm not stuck anywhere. I have victory over anything. Anything. Nothing is a match for the divine power and divine nature of God. Is there a match in the universe? I thought some of you would start dancing. (laughs) And if that is not enough, he tells us, ah, we are sharers, partakers of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, my dear brothers and sisters, It is important to know what lust is. Because when I talk to young people and I ask them what lust is, they can't nail it. So, lust, well, what is lust? Lust is the desires of your lower nature. The desires of your sinful nature. When I say lower nature... 
they may not get it. But when I say sinful nature, this is what your nature, as opposed to the divine nature, this is what your nature is like. It's a sinful nature. It always wants to take you in an opposite direction than God. Always your sinful nature. That's why it's called sinful nature. Um, so your sinful nature, that's the nature that you still have to contend with, yes? As a believer, okay, let me back out of this and say first, when you were an unbeliever, you had no wherewithal to fight your sinful nature because he was king over you. That's what the scriptures say. You can look at Romans 5, 20 and 21. That your sinful nature, sin reigned over you. Young people, get it, baby. Because your sinful nature before you became a believer was king over you. You had no wherewithal to fight it. You had some willpower that you could resist a little bit. But ultimately, how are you going to resist that, that nature that is inside of you that wants to come out and do, and do the things that are contrary to God? You can't, you can't survive it. You can't, you can't continually have the willpower to overcome it. You need the power of God. So that when you became a believer, that rulership, that kingship of your lower nature was killed. That's the, temp- that's the, the, the words that, it, that the, the, the Bible uses. It died. It died. Its kingship died. So, you remember, <clears throat> when people say that my, my selfish nature, my lower nature died, it takes some clarification because it's not so much, there's two things there. One when it talks about your, your lower nature, it reigning over you, it means it was talked about the rulership of your lower nature. Yes? Okay? And when it talks about that it died, in the scriptures, that for the most part means, and I've explained this many times, but I, I like Peter, I want to remind you of what these things mean. In the scriptures, most of the time when it talks about death, it talks about separation, not extinction. Are you with me? The, things, the thing that died doesn't cease to exist. It is separated somehow. When you die physically, your spirit is separated from your body. When you die spiritually, you are separated from God. You don't cease to exist. You wish you were ceasing to exist. Because you're going to a different place. So, that when then uh, you, you have this divine nature not, and, 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 and to overcome, and then you have the lust on the other end that gets you into trouble. This is what, you're, what, you're, what you, your sinful nature wants to do. And so when you do it, when you do it, then you find yourself in this thing called corruption. Corruption, decay, uh, trouble, um, foulness. We looked, a few weeks ago, we looked at um, 
Galatians, would you, would you look up Galatians 5.19 and give us that list? Galatians 5.19 is probably the ugliest list in the scriptures. And it tells us there that if we follow our lust, our fleshly evil desires, these are the things that will show up. You don't have to work for it. If you follow your flesh or your lust or your fleshly or your sinful desire or whatever, it takes you automatically to some of these places. Maybe not to all, maybe to some different places, but these type of places it takes you. So, uh, uh, Galatians 5.19. Okay, okay, no problem. No, no problem. We, we'll, we'll, so we remember that we'll, we'll, we'll look at that list in just a little bit because I want us to be reminded that this is what we, that we, that the, the corruption that has been caused, that we have a way to escape it. You see that word over there? She just, she just came, brother. Uh, we have a way to escape it. So these are like critical words, critical words in the language of the scriptures for us. Okay, we have been given abundantly great and precious promises by which we can partake of his divine nature. Having escaped, (laughs) what a big word that is, the corruption that is in the world through lust. So this corruption, this bad stuff that is happening to us. So just because we have lust doesn't mean bad things are happening. When we give in to our lust, these bad things are happening. So, when we, we, you might desire, like I I tell people all the time, um, do you think I like ice cream? I love ice cream. (laughs) I can have ice cream, but ice cream cannot have me. Are you with me? I can have a boat, but the boat cannot have me. Listen to me here now. I can have medication, but medication cannot have me. Be aware, my brothers and sisters. Nothing can have you except Jesus. Whatever has you, now you're into idol, idolatry. And you don't want to go there. So we have Galatians 5.19 here. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? So these, this is how it's going to show up. Manifest. This is how it's going to show up. Adultery. You know what adultery is? Fornication. Uncleanness. Lasciviousness. We don't have to explain all these things. Some of them I can't even pronounce, let alone explain. Uh, lasciviousness. Can, can you go on? Uh, 20? 20? 20? Lasciviousness. Um, idolatry. Lasciviousness. Idolatry. We just talked about that. 
witchcraft. That means you are messing with the evil guy's spirits. And they have a lot of power. They have more power than you have. Except Jesus is greater than they are. Okay? So, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. That is false teachings, false doctrine, heresies. Uh, uh, Give us a few more here. 21. Anyways, it, it, it doesn't matter because you get the idea. It, this is an ugly list. And then at the end of the list it says, and the like. That is to say that Paul didn't even give us an exhaustive list. He gave us just a representative list. That there's more things that he could add to the list. If you wanted them, you could actually add them yourself. I can add them for you. I know some of them. Uh, So, but then in a couple of verses, it gives us another list. Do you know, are you familiar with that list? That is a shorter list. Can you give me a few words that come on that list? Say it again. Love. Love, joy, peace. I mean, love, joy, peace. Long-suffering, gentleness. That, that's the list. Now, my brothers and sisters, we were, because of our lust, we were entrapped by some of the things in the ugly list. Amen. Maybe your deal was not on that list, but like I said, that list was not complete. Okay? So when you go by the flesh, you, 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 you're going to, Go into an arena of an ugly list. When you go by the Spirit of God, you enter into an arena of a beautiful list. Love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness, and these type of things. Now, then the question arises, what list do you want to be representative of your life and your family's life. And your church's life. Well, some people that have their lives sort of bound up in that ugly list, they feel trapped. They feel stuck. Have you heard of the epidemic in the country here lately? Flu? Bigger than that. Worse than opioids. 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 It is a national epidemic that people are now finally starting to take serious. Well, what happens is these people feel stuck in opioids. They cannot go go without. Stuck. They got medication, but now the medication got them. I want to say that through our lust, 
some of hell came in us. You realize that Satan works through your lusts. Yes? James 1.14 and 15 over there. That he works through your lower nature, to your fleshly desires. That's how he's trying to tempt you. That's how he works. And he tries to put a little bit of hell in you. Forgive me my expression, but God wants to get the hell out of you. That's what he wants to do for you to be able to escape that thing. And he tells you, I am gift sharing with you my divine nature for you to be able to escape these things. For this stuff to come out of you. For you not to be trapped any longer. For you not to live a, a dead end life any longer. For you to be not in the ditch any longer. I'm giving you my divine nature. I have given you my divine power that is working towards you. I give you my divine nature that is working towards you. And I give you a way to escape that trap that you were in because of your lusts. That's why in that trap in the first place. I give you a way to escape. And he says, so much the more. We're going to verse 5 now. So much the more. Because of this very reason that I have given you this. He says, add, be diligent in adding to your faith virtue. And to your virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For this very reason, the NIV says, uh, add to your faith. Be diligent. Diligently. Diligently. This is not a matter to be slack about. This is a matter to be diligent about if you want victory. Don't be slack. You find yourself in a mess. Don't be slack about it. Don't be slack about trying to get out of it. Be diligent. So he says, add to your faith uh, virtue. I need to explain to you a little bit, if you bear with me, the word add to. Add to. Uh, because of the Greek meaning of it, there is, oh, there's not a controversy, but, but there's, people translate it a little bit different. Some people say add to. Other people say, no, 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 it is add in. Add in your faith virtue. Add to your faith virtue. Let me tell you the way I see it. Because the word add on, add to, is a word that we get our word chorus from, or choreography. Are you with me? So this is the way I see it. That it is both to add to and to add in. I give you the example. <clears throat> when I wake up in the morning, 
What do you do the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? You thank God as you woke up. <laughs> okay, read, read scripture first thing in the morning. Coffee. I tell you the first thing in the morning, I go to the bathroom. And I brush my teeth. The second thing I do in the morning, I go to the kitchen and I warm up some water, some water to make me hot tea. So then I get a cup. So there's water now in the little heater. It heats up nicely. I, I, I get a cup and I put in the cup. And I put in the cup and to the cup, I put uh, ginger crystals. That have a little honey and a little sugar. Well, a little sugar <laughs> in there. Then I go across the way over here and I take a little, a little, a little tiny little spoon of stevia, and I add it to and in the crystals. Then by now the hot water is hot. You know when it's hot. You know when it's hot because you see bubbles coming. Okay, so I add now to and in. My crystals and stevia, hot water. Till about like this from the top. Because when you put a, the tea bag in there, you don't want it to over, overflow. So, <clears throat> then I add in and to that hot water combined with the crystals and the stevia, I add to and in a spoon of honey. Then I stir it. By now it is in and two, and you don't can't even recognize what's actually in it. It's now a total. It has now been something new, something that is put together, something that is now going to be delicious. And then uh, I add the tea bag and let it seep for a little bit. I don't like it too strong, so I go to the table and I start working a little bit and studying, and I look and see. How dark it's getting. Okay, that's dark enough. I go over there. I squeeze out the, the tea out of the little bag. And I put the bag soon because I'm going to use it the second time. With another bag that I've used it for the second time. So now the two bags that are for the second time, they, they, they are still strong enough to, okay, to make another a cup of tea. So that is how I see how you add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. And to knowledge, uh, uh, self-control, and so on and so forth. That you add it in and to. Because, you see, God is going to uh, make... Uh, let's now go with the chorus analogy. God is going to now make out of these items that you have added in and to, He is make a chorus out of it. And as you add to your faith uh, a virtue... There is a crescendo. And as you add to your uh, a virtue, you add knowledge. There is a crescendo. And as you add to your knowledge, you add patience or long-suffering or, or, or perseverance. There is a crescendo. And as you add godliness, there is a crescendo. And as you get brotherly kindness, there is a crescendo. And it, uh, it, it, it climaxes with a crescendo of fortissimo and tutti. Bravo! He read my message. Because the angels are going, the angels are going, Bravo! Bravo! What a chorus! What a chorus has God put together as this life was submitted to the Holy Spirit. And 
faith, Amen. virtue, or goodness. Hallelujah. Yeah, we, we're, coming to, we're coming to your word in just a little bit, uh, Brother Hupomene. Hupomene. Yes. So, this is how I see it, that the Holy Spirit wants to work within us as we are diligent about adding to what God has already given us in this way so that it could be climaxing in, in how does it climax? It climaxes all these different things. I climax again in love. And when the angels see it, they go, bravo. I don't know if they roll their R or not, but I roll my R to say, bravo, bravo. Some of them might say, bravissimo. So what are these items? Faith, as a believer, of course you already have at least a measure of faith. Some faith to believe Jesus as your Savior. And hopefully, as you obey the Holy Spirit, you, you will develop more faith in your life. And you add to that faith, or to, to and in that faith, you add virtue or goodness, the NIV says. Uh, goodness has to do with an inherent moral goodness. That you are a good person, not because you do good things, but because the good things that you do are also coming from the inside. Amen. Then it talks about knowledge. Here it does not talk about epigenosis. Here it just talks about gnosis. It's a general understanding and knowledge of, of God. Add to that. Then it talks about uh, self-control and has to do with the, the wherewithal, the power of God that you rely upon to have yourself, your, your lust, your selfish desires under control and that you master them in the power of God. With that divine power, you are mastering those, those uh, 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 sinful desires so that you have now an overcoming way over some of these sinful desires or all of them. Then it talks about patience. Brother John, this is your word, hupomone. Hupomone means this, patience or perseverance. Um, some people might even translate it long-suffering. But the word hupomone has to do with this, that in difficulty, remember, this letter was written because that Peter is expecting some difficulty for the believers coming up, Yes? So that in difficulty, because of the hupomone that God has... Can you say hupomone? Hupomone. That the hupomone that God has given you, that through that, you don't have the idea of hopelessness. <laughs> difficulty. You don't even have the idea of enduring. It is bigger than enduring. It is enduring... And contending. It is not just putting up with, but it is enjoy embracing those difficulties as opportunities for God to build you up in every way. Hupomone. Hupomone. There's more to be said, but uh, let me just say this other thing, that with hupomone, that not only is God doing something for you, we talked about it in Sunday school. For you, in the interior, 
But because of what is done for you in the interior, it is coming also on the exterior and shows other people. Other people that are going to go through difficulty. What God has done for you. And you are going to be able to supply hupomone for them. That they see and you will be credible because they know that you have gone through difficulty. But you have shown Jesus. And you have shown joy. And you have embraced them for God to grow you. And they see that in your life. And now they are encouraged by it. And they want to walk like you walk. Godliness, once again, Eusebio. Actually, the word is Eusebia. But I knew a guy from Romania, a tennis player, whose name was Eusebio. And I never realized what Eusebio meant. It means godliness. Eusebia is the, 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 the word in the Greek is female. Uh, Eusebia. Godliness. Once again, showing godly character. And then it talks about, I'm checking my time here. Uh, then it talks about uh, brotherly kindness. So this is what the Greek, the, the, in the Greek language is called Philadelphia. Philadelphia. We have a city called Philadelphia. What is the translation of Philadelphia? Brotherly love. Brotherly love or brotherly kindness. So philo or philos or those, those related words have to do with, uh, with kindness, of, uh, brotherly affection. And then Adolphus has to do with brother. So brotherly love or brotherly kindness. Philadelphia. And that climaxes all in agape love. My dear brothers and sisters, I put a post this week on Facebook because I felt compelled to do it. And I put on the post that it is my belief that the greatest need of mankind is godly love, the love of God. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, if you love someone with that kind of love, with godly love, you will do more for that person in their security and significance than a thousand conferences on self-esteem. Husbands, your wife feels a little bit insecure. Is it possible that your wife feels insecure? Oh, my goodness, come on, folks. I mean, you can't believe how many people feel insecure. People that you would never expect that would feel insecure. Because of for whatever. Because of their beauty. Because of their wealth. Because of whatever the situation might be. Because of their inheritance. Whatever. You think these people would be as secure as they come. But that's not so. It is the love of God. It is the love of God that makes the difference. When you love somebody with that kind of love, they don't have to go to a self-esteem conference. They will feel secure and they will feel significant, the love of God. I want to finish with this. This is the legend. This is the story. There are different stories concerning this, but, but this, is, this is the one that, that I have read and that, that I, I believe. There was a man that was put in, in a cell because of his, his faith in Jesus Christ. And they purposed 
that they would starve him slowly. So you had the door. Then on the bottom of the, do- the door, there was a little, a little hole through which passed a bowl of broth or something like that. And they would pass the broth in the hole for the man, and he would gobble it up. And then they might skip a day, maybe a couple of days, and they give him a little bit more broth. One day, that bowl didn't come back on this side. So they went in to check what was going on. He was dead. He was dead. But in the wall was written this. Not in this poem form, but this was the meaning of what he wrote on the wall. Could we with ink the ocean fill? And where, I have to, I, I lost it. I lost it right there. But I, I, have, I have memorized this so, so, so much so often, and then I, I just lost it right there. Could we wake with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill? And every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky. The love of God. Unfathomable, indescribable, but real. It was the love of God that compelled this man to write this on the wall because he wanted others to find out about the love of God. So my dear brothers and sisters, one thing I've told you, concerning the faith, don't be afraid to die. You're going to die someday. You may as well die for the faith instead of for a fight. Okay? So they killed his body, but they couldn't kill him. Matter of fact, he still lives today. I just gave you some of what his life was about. And every time, matter of fact, one of my favorite songs is the love of God. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made? It is a hymn. The love of God. This is the climax of putting it all together that it would climax. And the reason why the angels gave the bravo is because they know that this is what is going to make the difference. When a brother or a sister wants to believe those false teachers and they are swayed and they come to you and you say, oh, no, no, no. It is the love of God that is going to compel them back on the right track. And it's the love of God that is going to compel you to live for Jesus. That is why it's so important to know him intimately. The love of God. We could stay here for three weeks, day and night, and not get through talking about the love of God. 
we could try to write it on that parchment that is stretched from sky to sky. And we could have an ocean full of ink. And we could have every man in this place writing. And there would never be an end to it. Even though the whole ocean of ink is dried up for our writing. We still haven't finished. Give us another ocean. And another ocean. And another ocean.